Welcome to Tuesdays with Andrea. It's the inspiration station for everyday people guiding humanity forward. I'm your host, Andrea Rios McMillan, and every week I pursue conversations that matter with people who can relate to the common struggles we all face. You'll get to know the person behind the profession and find commonality with people of all ages, cultures, and backgrounds. Listen as friends, neighbors, and coworkers offer meaningful, personal explorations of modern life and the values we hold dear, all for the purpose of strengthening and uplifting others. In this episode, you'll meet Raul Alvarado, an uplifting leader with a fun sense of humor and a high standard of ethics. As an agent of massive change, he's one of those clutch people who is willing to show up for you during those moments that really matter. And trust me, you want him to. Why? Because people like him are ready, willing, and prepared. Take a look at Raul in action. This is the day that we've been waiting for, Super Bowl uh, Friday, and that's all you got? Wiggy, everybody up front here. Yep. I'll go over and everyone. Right, right. We got about 10 minutes before they open the door, so hopefully everyone's pumped up, ready to go. And everyone's got a Red Bull in hand, so we're going to need that to make it so tricky. Yeah, we're going to do a little toast. We're all going to shot to the Red Bull. So, again, so let me give you something real quick. So, right now, month to date, give you a quick few numbers real quick before we go. So we're down about 150 grand for the month, right? If we do this day right today, we make all that back if we hit our goal. Then we get tomorrow, that's the last day of the month, the last day of the quarter, and it ends up being gravy. It's all gravy, icing on the cake. But maybe not gravy because we all ate too much yesterday. The line's pretty big outside. We got a lot of people out there. Uh, we're, we decided to call an audible and use shopping carts. I know we didn't do it last year. Maybe it'll be chaos. Maybe it won't. Maybe it's a bad idea. I don't know. But live and learn. Let them learn. We'll find out. We'll New find GM. Out. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody gets snapped. It's not my fault. Throw idea. Um, yeah. All right. So let's do this real quick. So everyone's got a. Uh, everyone's got a Red Bull. Alright, so I want Raul. Raul's gonna come in, he's gonna get a phone, we're gonna get a cheer going. Yeah. We're all gonna shotgun the Red Bull before we open the doors. I need, I need you guys all like a 15. Right now, some of you guys are in like a 7. I need you a 15. So, Raul, you let me I raise my hand, who's tired? Who's drunk? Who feels tired? Keep your hands up. Who's afraid of what's about to happen right now? Fear smear. You should be. Whose heart is racing? My heart's racing. Alright guys, so keep your mind. Today, how's everyone Thanksgiving? So today starts the holidays. Today is the day where magic begins, right? This is what you guys worked for all year. All the coaching, all the training, all the complaining, all the happiness. Okay, this is what it's all about. So in a couple minutes, we're going to open the doors, and chaos is going to happen, okay? There's going to be customers happy. 
and sad, upset. Don't take it personal. Just make sure when you guys are out there, have fun. That's what it's all about. Come to Best Buy and have fun. Can you guys do that? Yeah. All right, get closer, get closer. So we'll do a little cheer real quick. At the end of this year, at the end of this year, so do them. Will you protect this house? I need to pour the red ball all over your chest. I'm still cheering my ass. I want you guys to notice Jessica. Jessica. First off, shout out to Best Buy 1170 Team in Oswego. It's so great seeing everyone in that clip. Shout out to Dennis, Eric, Wiki, um, and thank you to Simon for letting me use that, that video clip. I think this was a perfect, classic example of Raul doing what Raul does best, which is motivating, engaging, and bringing teams together. In this episode, we're going to catch up with Raul and see where he's at now. A lot has happened since that that video was actually filmed almost 10 years ago. So a lot's happened. He now has teenage boys instead of toddlers. Uh, he's been married for 17 years with his beautiful wife, Adriana. They've since moved to Wellington, Florida. So they relocated over there to the far, far south, um, which is a far move from around the corner, which is where they used to live. Uh, and he's keeping busy as an essential service worker, managing two Comcast locations in Wellington, Florida. So in addition to keeping his communities connected during COVID-19, um, I'll be talking to him about who are the people in his life who've uplifted him. And he'll give us some advice on ways that he's adjusted and how he deals with stress. So I hope you guys tune in. Enjoy the show. Welcome, Raul. Hey, hey, how you doing? Good to see good, you. Good, good. So what's what's going on over there? What's life o- like over there in Florida right now? I know here it's a little different. It's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's probably the same story, but just different atmosphere. I mean, it's beautiful over here. It's like 92 degrees over here really? right now. Really? Yeah, uh-huh. I know. You feel bad. How is it over <laughs> no, there? No, I don't feel bad. You know what? Actually, it's gorgeous here too. We've, we've had some beautiful weather this week. It's 70s uh, and sunny. And what? so it's perfect. Really? It. You guys hit 80 yesterday. That's a big deal. Did we? I think so. Wow. See, now. It, so it's, it's beautiful here too, but normally, yes, you guys definitely went on the weather front for sure. <laughs> it is 92 degrees out here. The humidity is starting to kick up, but yeah. we can't go swimming. We can't go to the beach. So it's, it's a different world right now. So everyone is inside huckered in. So it's, uh, it's, we can't enjoy any of the beauty of what's outside like we used to. And you were here. You, you, you grew up here. I miss it over there. You know what I miss? Like right now, I could. It, what we'd be doing is getting my grass ready for getting the lawn ready. You miss that, Raul? I miss. I love that. That was the best part. Was spending my spending my days outside trimming the tree, uh, fertilizing, uh, pulling <laughs> weeds. I love doing that. It was it was amazing. That was the best part of it. Getting the pool ready. But I yeah. miss doing that. Like out here, they have someone that does our lawn for us, so it takes the fun out of all of it. But I loved it. I enjoyed it. 
how's the Rona affecting you guys? The Rona can't stand it. It's uh, it's changed the way we live. It changed the way we do things. I mean, we went from a family that was always outside, went to stores and did everything together yeah. to us being inside all the time. It's it's. I mean, it's like our daily norm now. Is this going to be the new norm that we do? I mean, I mean, if you look at one aspect of how my wife and I do work, you know, knock on wood that we still have a job and that we still work, right? Yeah. These crazy times. And then how, how empty the streets are. I mean, it's like you only go out when you need to. And then the kids schooling, that's, you know, night and day difference. You know, we weren't used to working all day. Our, you know, our kids being at school, being taught by teachers. Now it's, transformed to the parents being the teachers now so like you know today's my day off and i had to help my kids with school and i'm like holy yeah. smokes you know you still got your everyday grind of you know making sure the house is clean dinner's done kids are ready for school it's crazy it's a crazy world you know and yeah. like i was telling you earlier it's beautiful outside but you can't really go out and enjoy it it's different so are you guys so when you do go to work because today you're off so you're able to help them but yeah. what do they do when you're at work you know, it's, it's a band. We wake up early. We get them up early. My wife and I are helping them both as much as we can. And then we check in through check in with them throughout the day. And, you know, as soon as we come home from work, when you work 10, 11 hours, you come home and now you're helping the kids with their homework, you know, things yeah. that they missed and getting, didn't get done. So it's, that's, it's a balance and a grind all on its own. It's, 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 uh, it's pretty crazy. It's totally different. Both of you guys work outside of the home, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So me, I mean, I work for Comcast. Um, and I'm a manager of two stores, so I have a total of 16 employees. So it's a, it's a retail center where, you know, if you want to get pick up equipment, if you want to pick up, um, you know, a video box or a, a mobile phone, we're there for you. So I manage employees, and my wife works for Concentra, where it's like a walk-in clinic to where so if you do want to go to the hospital, yeah, you go to these walk-in clinics, still see a doctor and a nurse to get looked at. Um, so we are essential employees We're you know, so we, we, we have to go to work. So every day we're risking going outside, being out, um, where we could possibly get in contact and get sick. So, um, we are, you know, we are practicing social distancing like crazy. Uh, we have gloves at home, masks at home. It's like my, every time I leave, my wife's like, put your mask on, put your gloves on. It's just like, you're not things you would never do before, you know? Yeah. So, you know, today she's out in the thing. She grabbed her gloves, grabbed her mask. So it's, it's just, it's, it's just crazy how different things are, you know? Yeah. And for the being an essential worker right now, I mean, Comcast, can you imagine if there was no Comcast, Everyone we would go, we would go crazy. <laughs> Everyone needs their video. Everyone needs their internet. It's uh, you cannot live without it. It's crazy. You know, yeah. I, I, people, if you, some gentleman had his Italian channel, drop off and he was freaking out, you know, just, you, you understand the little things in life. I'm like, holy smokes. But they're like, oh, thank goodness you're open. My internet's down. You know, it's crazy. So yeah. <laughs> that time channels means a lot to him right now. I know. I know. Right. <laughs> I, th I think for anyone who has to go out right now and continue to work and continue to be around people, that's important and it's necessary work. And we thank you uh, thank for you. being able and willing to, to do that work while we're able to sit comfortably in our homes and work from home. I think um, there's a lot of credit that needs to be extended there. Thank you. Thank you. You know what uh, you should do? You should send me Portillo's. I'll take it. I'll wait. Oh, wait, don't you, do you guys have Portillo's? Yeah, but it's in Tampa. It's like uh, oh. three hours away. It's too far away. So Okay. Perfect. We can make this happen, Raul. All right. What do you miss most from Portillo's? Beef sandwiches. Yes. That big, beautiful beef. And I put jardinier all over it, mozzarella, green bell peppers, and then the fries, the cheese fries. 
<laughs> Man, those are the best. Those are the best. Okay. All right. Well, let's start with, um, you know, understanding a little bit about your, your past and how you grew up. So what was growing up like for you? Uh, where, where did you grow up and what was it, what was that experience like? Was it fun? What do you remember from your Yeah. I mean, childhood? um, my childhood was awesome. It was, I grew up in Berwyn. We we lived a little bit in Cicero. Uh, and then we moved to Berwyn at that time. My dad had his own business. He was his own landscaping business. My mom was cutting hair. Um, from there was a it was a different world. Berwyn was a beautiful little town that there was like no kids. It was all just um, you know older couples. And then when we were there, we started to have more people move, more kids moving in. I tell you, if you ever watched a movie where like you know it's kids all in a neighborhood and it's the best childhood, that kind of was my childhood. I mean, we grew up with so many different kids. Um, you know, you played games together. You know, you were close with their parents. It was the best childhood. You know, I grew up there, went to grade school, went to high school. Um, you couldn't ask for more. Even now, when you go back to that neighborhood, it's just crazy to see how much it has changed over the years. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, I miss that old neighborhood. That's like things like those experiences you never get back. That's what I miss the most. Even now that these, you know, all our friends that have grown up and everyone has kids now, you still talk about it. You ever watch the movie The Sandlot? Yeah, I love the movie. Oh. That's, I mean, when those kids got older, it's kind of like the same thing. You watch, you want to go back to that, you know? So yeah, that's what I missed the most was, was growing up and, and missing that. So my kids, I always tell them, go out. That's what they miss the most at home is all the kids playing and, and on the street and everything like that. That's what we miss the most. And this has been an adjustment for them because you guys, your kids had grown up around here, you know, their whole life. And you know, due to relocating for work for Adriana's job, they had to to move yeah. and make new friends. RJ specifically, you know, high school, and then Alex being in middle school. Yeah. How has that been for them? Because now it's been about a year and a half. Yeah. Um, how is that that move and that transition? Because you know, Chicago, Florida, yeah. you have the weather factor that's different, yeah. but also the I feel like Florida people live are from another planet. They are. It is a different <laughs> world out here. You know what I noticed is. Um, and not in a bad way because I have family in Florida love you guys (laughs) when we moved here you know I'm so used to talking to people and talking with my neighbors but out here when I moved out here everyone was so quiet into themselves it was like you know I'd be like hey how you doing John and be like oh hey Raul and they'd walk inside so that was different at home but I think the kids um, I still remember sitting at the kitchen table as a family we're like you know we're gonna be moving to Florida and the biggest thing was they're going to miss their friends. That was the biggest thing. Missing playing, you know, RJ, my oldest, was going to miss playing with his football team, being with his friends. Alex was deep into soccer, going to miss his team. So when we moved here, it was a huge adjustment because they, had, they didn't have the same friends. There wasn't the same group. But I think how they adjusted is, you know, you know implementing themselves in the group of kids that were here. Now it's like RJ is so deep into his football team has new friends, even had girlfriends. It was crazy. Alex, same thing, had his little girlfriends, has these group of friends. It is crazy to see how, you know, from when we first got here to here now, it's it's night and day difference. And it's Yeah, but in a good way. In They've adjusted. Way. Oh, yeah, they have adjusted. But, you know, for us, my wife and I, the thing that we miss the most is you guys. We have, we don't have the same friends. You know, we really miss you guys. We miss, we miss it all. I mean, we used to go out every weekend, remember? Yeah. Douchey, yeah. wine, living the life. It was, 
it was the best. And the beauty was, uh, you know, your kids and, and my kids, I mean, they're just, we're all like family. I mean, it's the beauty yeah. of it. But mm -hmm. that's what we miss the most is our friends and family. Of course, because you can't replace, the, you know, those people. But I think, you know, the move that you guys have mm -hmm. had um, to go through has worked out well. And especially if you have kids who are in those transitional phases of middle school and high school, sometimes that's very concerning for a lot of parents because we worry about our kids. But I'm glad that your boys have um, shown a lot of resilience and adjusted very quickly and adapted to you know, easily to the people yeah. over there and they made their friends and they're doing well. I think yeah. that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, it was, it's definitely good to see um, them transition the way that they did, especially with school. Because when you have RJ as a teen, you know, when you're a teenager, you remember being a teenager and you're getting whopped out of your high school where you're going to be and yeah. then you jump back in. It's, it's a different world. So. What was the worst thing you ever did as a teenager? As him or me? You. Oh my goodness. Andrew, I was a bad kid. I mean, I was a no, bad kid. No, you weren't. Were you really? Yes, I was a bad kid. Okay, bad tell kid. us how you were a bad kid. So give us some, because now you're an excellent family <laughs> man and dad and husband. What kind of bad kid were you? Because I don't feel like uh, you, you couldn't be that bad. You have no idea. I mean, if you knew me back then, as a, if I could have done anything, uh, you know, go back. You, know, you have that part in life where you're like, if I could go back and redo this over, yeah. it would have been, been my four years of high school. I was okay. so, so bad. I mean, growing up, if you talk to my sister, I mean, she could go on and on. My sister, now that, I, now that I'm older, I appreciate her because my sister told on me about everything I did. Everything I did, she would go <laughs> tell my mom and I would get in trouble. But I, I got into so many fights as a kid because I had such a bad temper. You know, and, you, uh -huh. and the problem is, you know, kids, you, I was so easily influenced uh -huh. and I would, you know, do what these other kids would tell me. I would get in these fights and do these bad things. I didn't care about school. I wasn't really... Uh, put into it like I should have been you know I wish I had my parents were so busy also it's like they weren't really there to really you know watch me as I go on, like I'm doing with my kids you know they couldn't push me to do sports I did some sports but it wasn't wasn't enough so I hung around with kids that you know all they did was get into trouble so I would get into trouble all the time but I was just I was a bad kid I got into a lot of fights Andrew a lot of fights okay so give the kid who is now you right who constantly got in trouble at school maybe they consider themselves a bad kid uh what changed for you give this kid some hope here how did you uh change that narrative i had an aha moment because i was tired of you know every time i did something bad i never thought how what the outcome was all the people that i would hurt and i would hurt my parents a lot my mom my dad and i and i still remember how upset i made my dad because my dad is such a hard worker and he worked, you know, he just, he would wake up at 5 a.m., work all, all day, come home. And that's the last thing you want to hear is your son getting into trouble after all, he just busts his butt all day. So I just remember him sitting on the steps and just being so disappointed in me. That was like my aha moment. I mean, he was upset with me before in the past, but just something about him sitting down, you know, I could see his hands were just dirty and just beat up. And he was, you could tell he was physically tired that how upset he was with me. I think that was my, my click, my aha moment. I was like, you know, why am I doing this? You know, I, and I, and within me, I knew there was so much more good. So I had to distance myself from the people that I was hanging around with. And it was tough because those were my only friends really, you know? So once I started to distance myself, pay attention to stool, get myself into wrestling, use that as a tool. And then that wrestling team really helped me out. My coach really helped me out. Coach Slater. I mean, with, I mean, he was amazing from then on. That's when I had that moment. But 
you know, it's tough because a lot of people don't have that aha moment. And when you're a kid, it's like, I know everything. I have the world in my hands. So it's really, you got to look at the ones that you're hurting around you. You know, it's just those are the people that are giving you the time and the love and the dedication. Uh, those are the people you don't want to hurt. So, um, I mean, you have to be at your best uh, to get your best. What would you think, like, from your childhood all the way up until adulthood, mm-hmm. what was the biggest lessons that you've learned from that, you know, phase? What do you take with you now um, as you have your own family? You know, for me, um, I think, a lot, you know, the reason I got myself in a lot of the trouble that I did is my parents, you know, they really didn't have the option to really spend a lot of time with us. It was really, I was the oldest and I always wanted that older brother type, you know, person in my life, but my dad worked all day. My mom worked all day. Um, so I kind of had to take care of my sister and my brother at that time, you know, and doing doing everything like a parent, a parent would do, I guess, you know, help them with their homework. But, you know, going up for, to where I am now is the biggest lesson I take. What I do is I want to instill as much time with my kids as possible, even when they drive me crazy, because as a kid growing up, I didn't have a lot of time with my parents. So for me to make sure these guys are on the right track, I have to put as much time as I possibly can. I can't be selfish because it is tough. And you know, when you come home from work, after you worked a long day, the last thing you want to do is all you want to do is sit down and just relax, you know, and it's sometimes you cannot do that. So it's, you know, listening to my son's day because the littlest things to me make the biggest differences because I remember as a kid, you know, I would, I would remember things like I would want to talk to my dad and tell him how my day was. And he'd be like, mm-hmm. you know, not now, I'm, you know, I'm going to go take a shower. And then after that he would fall asleep. I never got to tell him about my day. So when my kids want to tell me something, it's some a small little achievement or something trivial, I listen to it and I am in and I'm paying attention to them. So I give them all my attention because to me, that was a big deal. Um, so I have to make sure for them, I'm there for them. Listen. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that they love that and they appreciate that. They better. They better. <laughs> one day they will. If they don't right now, one day they will. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what core beliefs and values do you think it's important to instill in them? Especially, you know, you're a father of two boys and they're in that very, you know, formative transitional years of, you know, puberty and adolescence what is important for you as a father to teach in them you know i i try to show them um my mind is you know watching my dad when i was growing up to me he's a really good man because he worked hard he treated my mom very well i mean he he taught us you know if you want something like you have to work for it you know and that's what was instilled in me so it's the same thing i'm trying to show my boys is you know being a being a good man comes with a lot of responsibility it is you know especially you know how i treat my wife and their mom in front of them that's huge because um to me my wife is so precious and i respect her and they have to see that so you know it's so cute like when i when rj had his one of his first girlfriends and we met the mom and the girl and you know she was cold he's like here take take my hoodie you know you're cold you know just little things like that to me that i want them to be really good men you know they have the Alvarado name to me that's I'm carrying it down from my, from my dad and everything. It, it, they have to be very respectful, not just here at home, but out there on the world, you know, being respectful to their neighbors, to everybody. It just, this world is so crazy and how I conduct myself out there. I want them to do the same. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, 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 it, I always tell them it's not, there's a lot of responsibility being a good man in this world. So, mm-hmm. And out. what does that mean to you? Like being a good man, uh, respecting your wife, mm-hmm. uh, working hard for your family, 
it's a lot. Uh, it's some, yeah, some morals. It's you know, you every day you wake up and your feet touch the ground. Um, how are you going to make yourself better and the people around you? That's what I believe in. It's like, you know, if if I can help someone feel better about themselves, or you know, if my wife is having right now, she is, you know, it's a stressful time for us. Uh, even moving to Florida was stressful for her. I could not show her, and I, you know, I can't show my kids if it's stressful. Um, they can't see it in my face. They always have to know everything's going to be okay. We're going to get through it, you know? So is, that's how I want them to be at the same time. Whatever life throws at you, it is not the end of the world. We'll figure it out. Don't spend so much time going, well, this is going on. This is, I can't do this. I can't do this. Spend the time on figuring out how we're going to get things done. You know, just like you know, I, I hear excuses all the time. And well, how are you going to fix it? How are you going to get over it? How are you going to overcome that objection? Because you are, you know, 15 years old now, you're 12 year olds now, 12 years, 12 year old, 12 year old now, when you get into the real world, you're going to face much more challenges. How are you going to deal with it? You know, mm-hmm. so, we're trying to do the best you can. It is not easy, Andrea, being a father and a husband. And, you know, it's because you don't have all the answers. You you go through and you try to do things that you think are right. Um, and you hope to God that it works out in the end, you know? So, yeah. I mean, I don't know what it's like to be a father and a husband. What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, but I mean, you're a good mom yourself and, and you know, John's a good dad too. It's, it's just being a good parent. It's, you don't know, we don't have the answer. We're going off of what we learned when we were young and what we see and what we feel at the time when you are confronted with something in your heart of hearts is how you react to it. And you feel like it's right, you know? So, and I think it's, it, what defines the right decision, right? Because even the wrong decisions can lead you to the right answers eventually. So it's all a learning curve and it's all just a matter of making the choice. And if it's a bad choice, you own it and then you move forward and you just don't let it stop you. Right. Good point. Good point, girl. So when we think about the people in your life so far, Mm -hmm. who are the pivotal people in your life that have left, you know, enduring impressions on your concept of self or how you see and view other people. Can you tell me a little bit about the people that stick out in your mind? Yeah, I have, I always have the same four in my mind. They always pop, okay. pop out. So when I worked for um, Best Buy, my first ever uh, general manager, her name was Jackie Epstein. She was um, one of my general managers, amazing woman, strong, strong-minded woman, good values, uh, amazing leadership. Cause you know, when you go on these journeys, hold on, I gotta, I gotta remind these people. So yes, he is also from Best Buy, <laughs> and we, this is where we met, and I'll share that story. But go on, Jackie yeah. Epstein. Jackie Epstein. Um, she was, uh, she was an amazing leader. She was probably my first general manager that really, you know, when I came to that store at, at three hundred one at that company, it was, it was like the mecca, the main store, the big store, right? And I came from Melrose Park, which is you had your own family there and I moved to this new store and no one knew who I was. So when she came to the store, you know, she introduced herself and you had your little one-on-one with her and yeah. she goes, you know, I see so much good in you. And she was telling me all these things that she saw in me that I didn't see in myself. I'm just like, I thought maybe she's just saying that stuff because she just has to, because she's my manager. Right. Mm-hmm. But she would walk me through everything that she told me that she saw me. She, and she told me why she goes, you have so much energy. She goes, people look up to you, they respect you, and you don't even know it. And, you know, and how I conducted myself in the building, you know, I was, you know, having all this energy. And to me, that was kind of normal. Best Buy helped me break out of my shell, you know. She goes, yeah. people talk about you. They love your energy. She goes, you're going to, you keep that up, you're going to go places. 
But so she was the first one to help me realize that, you know, and I'll never forget. I'll never forget her for that. If you Second, could say one thing to her right now, what would you say? She's, Jackie Epstein, I love you. You're an amazing woman and I miss you. She was like that. She was like that, that stern mom, you know, that would joke with you a little bit, but then at the same time, she lets you know, if you mess up, you're going to get it, you know? So yeah. I love that. I love that. So, uh, second, same thing was with Best Buy was Mr. Lynn Hankins. He helped me get myself promoted to my next level. He really was, Lynn, Lynn Hankins. Do you yeah. know he's Jason's friend? Are you serious? Yes. Wow. Jason is my, said, my dad, my stepdad. Yeah. Lynn Hankins. I haven't seen him in a long time, but oh, I, really? he'll watch this. I'll send him this. You should. I love that man. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's one of the, uh, one of my best leaders in, in my career going up because he was another gentleman that was like, oh, like a father figure. So I had Jackie as my mom figure. Lynn is my dad figure. He so you had a mom like, and a dad. Mom and my <laughs> dad, you know, <laughs> complete it. And uh, I mean, he taught me so much about business and explained it to you to a point where you got it. Because, you know, business, when you're talking business, I didn't go to college to learn this. I was just a guy that walked from a part-time or moved up in the company. So, I mean, he would explain it, how I would do it. And the same thing. He's like, man, I believe in you. You have amazing energy. People are behind you. He's like, it's uh, He's like, you got a gift and you can do this. And I'll tell you why. So he believed in me so much to a point where I had to start believing in myself and everything he said would come to truth, you know? So that, that was, um, I loved him for that. I mean, he was, he's an amazing leader in my eyes. My second one is, you know, I was always, my third one, I'm sorry, was, I'm always looking, I was always looking for that big brother type, you know, when I was, I was growing up and I always wanted a big brother, but one of my best friends, his name is Nick Martin. He worked in Best Buy also. You know, all these relationships we created with in Best Buy, it's like a Best Buy family. But uh, he was like my big brother. I mean, he was, he was another fellow manager in the store, and he would just take me under his wing and, and, again, show me different things. And he was like, he's like, he would always tell me, he's like, I admire you because you kind of have, like, no shame. You just go out there, you act yourself. You're not scared of talking in front of people. And he's like, I cannot do that, you know. So, but I would look to him because he was so business smart. He could look at something and get it right away. You know, I'm just like, man, I have to read this over and over to get it, you know? So he, uh, he's always been like a big brother to me. He showed me so many different things in my house, how to build and, and redo my whole house because of him. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. And then probably my last influence has always been my dad. I mean, he is such an amazing man because he's such a hard worker. He's, I mean, he started his own business, was so successful. Um, woke up every morning, go to work for us and come home just to put dinner on the table, make sure his kids were happy. You know, it's like yeah. the hard work. And I would go help him out. You know, I think that's one of the reasons I love doing yard work because it reminds me of my dad, you know? So mm. um, just, just in life, he's like, always tell me, anything you want in life, you have to work hard for it. You know, it's like in this world, you know, it doesn't, you know, this world doesn't care if you're having a good day or a bad day. It's how you respond to every situation you deal with. And I'm like, you know, you're as a kid, you're like, whatever dad you have no idea what you're talking about but then when you get older and you start to deal with life you're like that old man is smart and he knows what yeah you, talking you knew what about. you were talking about you know what you were talking about so um those are my four jackie epstein amazing woman mr lynn hankins amazing nick martin my bigger brother and then um my dad absolutely well i i hope that they listen to this and i they hope better. that they uh they feel good yeah. knowing the impact that they made on you yeah I so hope. let's talk about your career you know growth and that ladder how did you start like when did your work you know career life officially start yeah I think my first main job that took me off was with Best Buy you know I gave the company 11 years 
and I started off as a part-timer. I just, you know, I was a part-timer in car audio. What time, what age were you? Ooh, age. I like high no school? Idea. Yeah, it was 2001. So what are we in? Yeah, after the internet after the crash, yeah. Yeah, the Y2K, the cr- all the craziness. <laughs> yeah. And um, I started off as a part-timer and I was, uh, you know, I was just regular, like a regular guy that had, you know, I knew I, I was destined for good, but I didn't know what that meant, you know, until I started working at Best Buy. It was, I got me out of my shell. I started learning to be a leader. I met my wife at Best Buy. It was crazy. If you guys don't believe it, love at first sight, it is true. It is absolutely true because it's like, and no one believes me. When I saw her for the first time, I felt like my future self now jumped back, told myself, hey, that's your future Get it together. Life. Yeah. And then <laughs> yes. back. And I'm like, holy smokes, right? So it was, um, yeah, we created so many amazing relationships through this. You know, I grew myself, went to 301, I spent so many years. I was just, in, just, just in, infected with it. Uh, and my end goal was because I wanted to be a GM. That's what I really wanted to do. I never general made general manager. General manager. I never went, I never made it that far. The farthest I met was uh, got was a, a sales manager. And so you know, it was eleven years in the company. You know, we were going back and forth, and you know, there, the growth wasn't happening. So I was like, you know, I need to, I need to do something different. As tough as that was, so I started looking at other companies that were growing. You know, so I wanted to see myself, and that's when Starbucks had started. Um, I started looking at Starbucks. So I jumped into Starbucks only because during the interview, I, it was kind of intense because it was like eight, um, eight market leaders and they're interviewing you one from one, you know, they're all talking to you. And, but all they kept talking about was like growth as a company, growth as an employee, growth for me. And I was like, wow, I'm, I'm, this is great. But he's like, yeah. I've never, I've never had coffee, ever had coffee. So when they said, you know, what kind of coffee you drink? I'm like, I don't even drink coffee. So that was my first time drinking coffee was with that point with at Starbucks in that interview. And this was what, like seven, six years ago? Yeah. If it was, that, damn. Yeah, it was crazy. But I'll tell you, I appreciate Starbucks so much because I drink straight black coffee because I appreciate the taste of coffee now. We've got <laughs> so many coffee tastings. You can tell, you know, I could tell the difference between a light roast meat. It's crazy. So uh, Starbucks was a beautiful company. But again, it got to a point where I was with Starbucks for two years. And I wanted to, I was hungry. I wanted to keep growing and moving up. And they had me, you know, watching other stores, almost like a little mini district manager, but there was no, no opening. So I'm doing yeah, this. And you were a general manager at Starbucks. At Starbucks. Yeah. I was yeah. a general manager. We, we, they started this cadence. So I was able to walk into the, any Starbucks and within five minutes, I could tell you what went, what they were doing well and what they weren't doing well. So, and then from there. And you were able to communicate that to your team in a way that they just loved you. They loved you. Understood. What do you Again, do to I all know. the people that you work with? They just love you. I don't know. Everyone keeps telling you it's my energy. To me, it's just it's just normal. It's I don't know what it is. You know, I yeah. believe in good energy, Andrea. I, I don't. I oh, believe in energy. Hey. You know, it's, yeah. And all I all I have around me right now, if you were to close your eyes. And put your arms out. You'll feel my positive energy. That's all I I, re- I, I feel it, Raul. <laughs> so, so let me guys back up and tell you how we met. Because Raul and Adriana, um, that's his wife's name, were really great friends. And we only met maybe 10 years ago. Okay. And Raul and I used to work together at Best Buy in Oswego. Mm-hmm. And I, had, I knew Adriana. She was a manager at another location but we didn't know each other well. I think I've, I've talked to her maybe twice or three times. Raul and Adriana are complete opposites in terms of personality. It's like me and John. 
so she's a serious one. She is the quiet one. And she is also the very analytical, uh, managerial, militant one. Yeah. And Raul and I work together. And I feel like Raul and I, we, we just clicked immediately. Like, hey, hey. Yeah. And, uh, but obviously it's, it's, it's always awkward when you meet someone who is your same age, right. who is of the opposite sex. That's mm-hmm. always tricky, right? Yeah. Especially if you're both married because, right. you're, you know, the minute you guys, you know, if we're becoming friends, you don't want people talking. People start talking. Yeah. Like, oh, look at those two. Oh, oh look at them. <laughs> and so immediately I'm like, oh, this guy has really good energy and, and we're, we get along so great. Yeah. Our kids are the same age. I'm like, we have to become friends somehow. Mm-hmm. So I go to John and I'm like, hey, John, there's this guy at work and you would love him. You guys would get along. And John's like, I don't want to get along. I'm not going to be friends with anyone. And he sounds just like that too. <laughs> I don't need any friends. I'm fine. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you, you have to. And I invited you guys over for a Bulls game one time. And you guys brought the kids and we cooked mm-hmm. out. Yeah, and the rest is it was history. history. It, was, it was so cool to see us coming in. It just felt like, it didn't, nothing felt weird. Nothing felt forced. It was just, it was like the universe said, this is supposed to happen. And Walk, now. Boom. <laughs> and then our kids got along and our, I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, we've been friends for so long. Like we watched our kids grow up together, you know, when they were little to now. And it's like, when you watch, when you look at these old Facebook pictures, you could see, you know, when I'm looking at my son and Joshua and John, John and Jake and all of them, they, just, they were so tiny, so little kids. And now they're like, you know, grown people, you know? the things that we did together as a family, I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, we love you guys. We adore you guys. We love your kids. The best time in the world is when we are all together. I mean, really, there's nothing better than our family vacations. Nothing yeah. <laughs> better. I mean, it really is. You know, you guys are so special to us and you guys are what we miss the most. You know. Uh, well, it's funny because uh, I will. Thank you. We, we miss you guys. And I think what's, what's important from this is, it's hard as adults to make friends. It is. I don't think, maybe you guys are really one of the first external friends that we've made since college. Cause really? most of my friends are either from high school or college mm-hmm. uh, because you're kind of in a Petri dish together. Right. Yeah. And so you just bond. And then after that you're working and when you're working, your colleagues become your family, right? They, it, that, that's how it is. And so when I met you though, I, I just was like, Oh, we're, we're going to be friends. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. yeah we're going to be friends. I, I you might not want to, but we are. <laughs> I don't know. You kept telling me like, you got to meet my husband. I'm like, well, you got to meet my wife. We got to make this, we got to make this real. You know, I still remember the first day I met John. I remember, um, I think it was Steve white. He came up. He's like, Hey, there's this guy walking around with your son. And my, and still, I'm like, my what? He's like, this guy has your son by the hand. Like, my son? I was like, what are my kids doing here? So I go there and I see John and I see Joshua. I'm like, that's not Alex. Because they, they, they almost look alike. It's crazy. Yeah. And that's when I met John. I was like, hey, man, I'm, I'm Raul. He's like, I'm John. And the rest is history. I mean, I love right. your husband to death. He is, he is my brother. I mean, we, we went through so much together. Um, we spend so much time together. I mean, we talk all the time. So it's, uh, he is definitely my brother. So Yeah. Okay. So how do you define a success? Well, let, let's go back. Okay. So now Starbucks, your manager, you have positive energy. Every, you can, you know, rally your troops and, yeah. and keep the morale high of your team. What made you leave Starbucks? And then what was 
first, what was the experience like at Starbucks and working there every day? What is that yeah. life like? It, it is uh, in the morning. It is stress. It is nonstop stress because you, you, that's where you're, that's your go time. That's when everyone's coming to work. They got to get their lattes and they got to mm -hmm. get, they got to leave. They got to go to work. So you have to have, you have to make sure two things, your front counter is flying people that are coming in the front and your drive through is flowing because those, any breakdown, I kid you not, Andrea, the whole thing falls apart. So as a leader, you have to be good at adapting right away. If the machine breaks, okay, we got to make drinks, you know, the person that I have making the drinks, is that the best person to be making drinks, right? Then you got new employees. They have to learn the cadence and you have to throw them in the fire and you're going to have customers yelling. You know, it's, I still remember, you know, we'd make a drink wrong just by a little bit and these customers would be so upset, you know, and the, and the goal is obviously you want to make your customers happy. So you do the best you can. Yeah. You don't want yeah. to make your customers upset. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. But once the morning was done from there, it was smooth sailing. It was kind of just like you're cleaning all day. You know, I learned so much through Starbucks through food and safety. Um, cause I had to take you, we had a company called EcoShare that would come in and make sure that, you know, temps were clean, fridges were clean. I learned so much about bacteria. I mean, I clean my fridge every month. I clean it out and we deep clean it because of all the stuff I've learned about bacteria. It's crazy. But Starbucks was an amazing company. But I think at that time, one of my friends, um, had a restaurant. It was fire it up. It was taco brand new thing. It was a taco truck and they just opened their first brick and mortar store. And he used to come into Starbucks all the time. You know, he'd always be like, Raul, I love your energy. He's like, we're thinking about doing another restaurant. He's like, would you think about running this restaurant and then maybe helping me open a new one? And I thought about it. I was like, you know, working in a restaurant, I go, it can't be much different than Starbucks. You know, he made me a good offer and I loved his food. It was amazing food. It was clean, organic, you know, small yeah, business farm to owner. Table. Yeah, mm -hmm. I was like, let's, uh, let's, let's give it a shot. So I left, you know, I left the comfort, comfort of the corporate <laughs> world into a small business world, you know, and you know, all I help, for food, all for it with, I mean, you, for tacos, ta I, <laughs> I love tacos. I'll do anything for tacos. I understand. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, along the way we, I, you know, I helped him create like a good SOP for his business and uh, a, a standard operating procedure. Standard operating procedure, Absolutely. Uh, you know, helped him build a good team, hire the right people. Cause you wanted good people with good energy. Uh, you know, when you come into a restaurant, good chefs, good kitchen managers, uh, and then the rest was history. It, it went very well. We opened up the one in Wheaton. But what, what started to happen is in the restaurant world, which I didn't know, is, you know, if you have call-offs or anything, you and you're, the and you're the manager, if you're the main guy, you are there all day. So uh, there was a lot of days where I was open to close all the time, and there was, like, weeks that I did not see my family. So it was, it was very stressful and very taxing. Um, and we do these things and you want a reward at the end. There was the reward really wasn't there for me. So I was like, you know, I'm going through all this craziness kind of for nothing. You know, I wanted to see long-term opening up more restaurants. Um, but it was, it was extremely stressful. That was probably the most stressful I've ever been, you know? So mm -hmm. for tacos, for tacos, I mean, the tacos <laughs> were good, but I mean, don't get me wrong. And they, get, they were not that great. They were not that great. Okay. Um, so I do miss them. I still keep in contact with them and they're still open. They still have a place open in Naperville. Mm -hmm. Fired up tacos. Really good. Um, then from there, I transitioned to started to do a little personal training and then work in uh, for Lowe's a little bit because uh, my one of my best friends, Nick Martin, was a manager. He's like, hey, I think you should come down to Lowe's. He's like, there's this position that's open for sales manager that they just started. 
He's like, I love your energy. You do great for this. I'm like, perfect. Okay. So mm -hmm. I gave that a shot while doing personal training too, because personal training, I loved working out and I loved helping my friends work out. And everyone told me, why don't you become a personal trainer? I'm like, well, I'll give it a shot. And the owners for Beyond Measure Fitness Training in Naperville, they would, he took me on as an intern. Well, it was Steve Havoc. Amazing, uh, amazing. Him and his wife, Kate. And he says, hey, I told him, I love doing this fitness thing, but. Tell, tell the world what your dream job is. As a personal trainer. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, I, I should just do it, but, you know, I'm, I mean, we'll get to that later. But it's, you know, I, nothing more than I love is people coming to me and say, Raul, I want to, I want your energy. I want, I want to look good. I want to feel good. And that's all I want. And I, the rest I can do for you, but you got to be committed and disciplined to it. Cause it, it is not an easy lifestyle. You got to eat right. And you got to work on, you got to put the work in. People think it's one, two, three and done. So when I was there, I learned a lot from them at the gym and I would, and they saw my energy. I, I would run classes like 30 to 50 people in one class, you know, like no, nothing, you know, it was amazing. And then what really, what I really loved about that job was um, people that would come in and their, their lives would change. That was the beauty of it. You know, you would sit down and have one-on-one -on -one sessions with them. And you're like, you know, and they would tell you as they're leaving, they're like, you know, thank you so much for your motivation. You know, and I thought it was just a little thing that I was doing, but like these little trivial things meant such a big deal to them. You know, is the energy that you would give them, the motivation was a big thing to help them along their journey. So even though I saw myself as a coach helping them out, you're almost like a life coach because you got people going through divorces and dealing with things they can't bend over, tie their shoe. You know, how do you help them with life? You know, and that's what I love doing it. So I really, mm -hmm. I, that's what I love about that part of the business, you know? And when I was at Lowe's, I was doing that in Lowe's at the same time. Lowe's was kind of a tricky company for me because they were instilling sales managers on their floor and they, they're not really a sales. You know, if you ever gone to a Lowe's or a Home Depot, you, you look for something and they say, I'm looking for a hammer. Oh, the hammer's over there. And then that was it, you know? Yeah. But the difference was now is, you know, if you're coming to look for a hammer, I'm trying to sell you on something now. So you're looking for, what are you going to do with the hammer? Oh, you're doing a project. What kind of project? Let me see if we can do it for you. You know, it was a whole other thing. But then the company, after one year working there, scrapped that whole role and then they gave me a severance. So I was like, well, what do I do now? So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this personal training thing full time. And I loved it. I really did. But then point in case at the end, that's when we started uh, moving out here, out to Florida. So. Yeah, just when you found your that. Just when I found it, yeah. I was like, oh, what are you going to do? So we moved out here, and then I'm like, well, let me try to find a gym out here in Florida. And I was looking kind of for that same Naperville home feeling, and I could not find it. It was a different world in Florida. Everyone, all they care about is getting big and, and huge muscles. And, you know, I love – I just want to fo focus on movement and functionality. So, Well, I'm sure that there are those gyms over there, and hopefully – hopefully um through this video they'll find you or they'll you'll find, find them hopefully. somehow somehow some way because <laughs> you're great at it uh, but yes that's around the same time when adriana had a position an offer for the director position at concentra for yeah. the florida market and you know you, you you can't refuse that offer you can't it was a scary thing because like i said earlier it was i still remember sitting at the kitchen table and we were all talking about it as a family, the pros and cons of going to Florida or staying in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And I, and I always told, and I'm always a person that's like, I'm all in, let's try new things. Let's, let's figure it out. We'll figure it out when we get there. I said, this could be, you know, I, I never want to, you know, pass this up and I never want you to pass this up and say, you know, what could have been, you know, 
Florida mm-hmm. is new. I go, we can get through this. As long as we stay together as a family, we'll be fine. It's mm-hmm. not, we can't come visit back my, our friends and family, you know? Right. Right. So we jumped in. I still remember that first year here. It was just, it was, a, it was a new world. It was beautiful because you got the oceans, the weather. It was beautiful, but it was, we were uh, kind of out of, out of our element. It was totally different. Mm-hmm. And what was it like? Explain, because there's two things I think that are important from this this time. One is that you are very comfortable and familiar, I don't want to say comfortable, but very familiar with being uncertain and unsure about what your next position is going to be. Because mm-hmm. there's been several times in your career that you know, the door closed and you're kind of like, what am I going to do now? I'm a great manager, a great leader. And how, where am I going to go and where do I fit? Um, and in each phase, you've managed to find that uh, in unexpected places or through the people you've met, mm-hmm. positions come. Because I firmly believe that good talent always finds a home. Somewhere, sometime, good talent always finds a home because real recognizes real, right? right. <laughs> 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 oh, okay having too much fun here. You're good. Uh, okay. And then the other part is that when you have to make that adjustment to move and especially with your family and having everyone on the same page and making sure that the, there's clarity of vision here. Hey, we're doing this because this is a good opportunity. We're doing this because we don't want to live with regret later. We're right. doing this because uh, we know we can get through it. I think is half the battle right? When you're going through something so huge, it's being able to say, this is where we're going and this is why, and we will get through it. So moving on, what about your work? Like my job now, um, working at Comcast as a manager. So I, it hasn't even been a full year yet, Andrea. I feel like I've worked for Comcast for like six years. It's hilarious. And I remember when I moved here, I, I was thinking about working for the company and I reached out to our friend Lissette and I says, Hey, I'm thinking about joining the company. You know, I know you talked about it before, but I think I'm going to do it. She goes, well, you know, she tells me all the good things about it. It's an amazing company. She goes, you know, I'll get you an interview. The rest is up to you. And I have an interview. And I kid you not, the interview process took like two months, like two to three months. And I'm like, I'm not going to get hired. You know, I was like, so I interviewed for like Apple, Best Buy, even Tesla. And I'm like, man, I got to, I got to do something out here. And then I remember I called the recruiter and I would reach out to Lisa. She goes, this is the process this is how long it takes. My goodness. And then they finally called me back, made me an offer. I took it. So with Comcast, you're, you know, I was, I was training for three months and everything was awesome. And the main director, he was new too. His name was Paul Schussler. He's another amazing man. And uh, I think the three months that I was there, again, everyone's like, they've never seen a person like me with this energy. I get in, I'm introducing myself. Hey, how you doing? I'm from Chicago, telling everyone my story. And they're like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing like the slow clap and will you protect this house? And they're like, they're like, who the hell are you? And I'm just like, I go, you guys might not be ready for this. I apologize, you know? So, th- and then, you know, they started to see the teams, my store respond very well to me. They're like, you know, man, you know, their survey and my surveys were good. I mean, they're like, who is this guy? And then I still remember the one day my director came in my office and he's like, hey, I just finished my three month training. He's like, we're about to open a brand new store in Palm Beach Gardens. He's like, he's like, I don't want you to get nervous, but you are the guy to open that store. I'm like, what? I go, I just finished my training. He's like, trust me, you can do this. I'm like, okay. And then we did it. I mean, there was so much work involved because you're dealing with contractors, 
corporate partners and I, and I was able to um, meet so many new people. You know, the process was amazing. Yeah. Uh, the store opened, everything was perfect. One of the best openings ever. I got so much kudos from my directors, my directors bought, it was cool. You know, uh, went to another store, helped open the West Palm beach store. That was beautiful. And then there was an opportunity. There's a store right across the street here in Wellington was an Xfinity store. One of the biggest stores in the market. It says, you know, there was a spot that opened up and they're like, uh, they got to put Raul in there. I'm like, what? So they put me in the store. And it's, uh, it's been doing very well, pretty successful, you know, so as far as surveys, uh, you know, the employee morale, which is a big thing, because that's who I am. I want to get there. I'm not fake. I'm real with you. And, I, and I, I respect you. If I give you respect, I want the same in return, you know, but if you cross me, you're in trouble, you know, so it's like, you know, I'll do right by you if you do right by me. So and, and during that time, because there was a period of time when you moved to Florida, you didn't have a job lined up. You didn't have that position. Right. You're in transition. You're in a new area mm-hmm. and you're dealing with trying to get your house, you know, the, the house that you're, that you're renting in order, getting your kids enrolled in crazy. school, yeah. acclimated, and then trying to figure out where do I work yeah. around here. Was there ever a time when you got discouraged where, you know, you felt maybe depressed or, or kind of out of sorts in your mind? And how did you deal with this? Yeah, I think uh, I was. And usually I'm a person that's not like that. I mean, anything I do and I, and I go after, I always know at the end everything is going to be okay. Or there is nothing that I can't handle. That's my mindset. So I go into it. But there was a time where I wasn't getting anything, with, you know, and jobs weren't coming up. And I was sitting there. I'm like, I, I was like, man, nothing is going right. You know, my wife was deep into work and working. And I was at home cleaning and, you know, <laughs> cooking and with the kids. And I had no real purpose to me. You know, I had purpose, but I like my mind to be challenged. I like to be in the thick of it doing things. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't there. So I think, the, I think the downside, I think my weakness is I am so, I'm so good at, you know, motivating somebody and getting people pumped up. But sometimes myself, the motivator needs motivation. And sometimes yeah. if I... I think the best way to do that, if I don't get that, I kind of shut down and I kind of cocoon myself, but it's kind of like I'm rebuilding myself at the same time. I just need to be left alone. Uh, let me rethink things and go. But the problem is, you know, I have so much energy. I'm always on all the time. Yeah. People think there's something wrong. My wife will be like, you know, what's wrong with you? I go, no, nothing is wrong. I'm just, I'm just kind of in a phase right now, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's yin and it's yang. It's good and it's bad. So. Yeah. And what, period of time did you go through that? It was probably like almost, uh, almost two months. It really was because there was nothing coming up. You know, the whole process with Comcast took about two months. I was getting interviews, you know, some I was getting offered, but the offers weren't, you know, strong or seeing myself doing. And the ones that I was looking for offers weren't going through. And I was like, man, it would really got me back on base with everything. I kid you not was going to church. It really was because I was not a person you know, I went to church only for my wife and my kids when we were back in Chicago because I did it for them because I was, you know, we were supposed to be a man of faith. And, but I wasn't bought into that church, that lifestyle, you know, that whatever they were saying in church, mm-hmm. I w- it wasn't registering to me. When we got out here, I mean, honestly, what helped me was going to church. It was, we went to like five different churches, Andrea, because that was the most important thing my wife had to do. She had to find a good church. <laughs> so that was my wife had to do is find me a church <laughs> right and then the most important thing for me was finding a barber for the kids that was my that was my priorities but uh we went through like five different churches none of them felt right and the church that we go to now we went there and 
I just remember they put us all the way we got there and we, they put us all the way in the front row. Okay. And you know, everyone's singing and they're worshiping and, and I'm, I'm like, man, this is, I'm like, whatever, here we go again. And I'm sitting in the front row and the pastor starts talking. And as he starts talking, it's like, I get these goosebumps all over my body because he's starting, you know, what he's preaching, whatever the message was of the day, He's making it relate to everyday life. And I honestly felt like he was talking to me. It was just, it was crazy. Even now I get goosebumps talking about it because I was like, whatever he was saying, this weight was getting lifted off my shoulder and I'm listening to him and I start crying, like just standing there crying. My wife looks at me as crying. I have no idea why I'm crying, but I'm just, I'm listening to what he's saying. Then I look at my kids and they're looking up and listening and they're smiling and they're, you know, they're laughing, they're into it. And I was like, this is, this is going to be our church. This is it yeah. right here, you know? So that helped me so much get through all I was going for. I would wake up every morning and I would just pray. And that's all I would do. I'd get my coffee because coffee is life. I would sit out in my backyard with the sun. Now coffee is life. Coffee is life. Uh, The sun would begin to rise right over the palm trees and I would sit there and I would just pray about my day. I was like, you know, everything's going to go well. This is what's going to happen. And that's what got me through a lot. And that's what gets me through a lot today because I never prayed or, talk to God. And, and I never did any of that. But to me, it's so important now that that was part of my next step of learning to becoming a better person was I have to have faith because without the faith, I can't do this by myself. There's no way I needed, I needed his help. So mm-hmm. that, that got me through a lot. So. And do you guys still go to that church? Well, we now, well, it's I mean, virtually it, it's virtual now. We, we, see, I mean, we, we watch it. We have the iPad. My wife and I wake up, we get the iPad, we put it outside on our table, we drink coffee, and we listen to the worship. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. we do. But it sets our day. I mean, it really does. And it's, I think what's different from this church at New Sound versus the old churches was it just this church relates to you what you're doing, what you're going through in life. You know, I'm just like, it just, it's a meaning. I mean, I'm going through this stress in life or, you know, whatever things are battling you for the day, but this is how you overcome it, you know? Yeah. All the positive stuff you need to hear and read is in the Bible. You just got to know how to break it down. And that's what they do. So it's like, it's, it's beautiful. Would you say that church is, is where you find inspiration and strength? Or is there another source of inspiration for you? I mean, I think, I think right now it's where I get a lot of it is, um, is, is in church. I mean, we don't go all we, you know, every Sunday when we used to go and we were involved in small groups because we, what we started to notice is you can't do things by yourself without a community. So this was kind of our community of people. We'd go mm-hmm. to church and enter these small groups, you know, talk to other people. Uh, but now with this whole Rona, uh, we don't have our community right now. We can't go see them. We can't go talk to them. So. We're dealing with a lot. How do you unwind now? What do you guys do? You know, it's like we start our day. We wake up. Again, like I said, coffee is life. And then um, we, with these morning, we go for morning walks. Like we'll go take Rocky for a walk, our dog for a walk. That is the best time to go for walks in the morning. Because everything is still, there's people still sleeping and you can just kind of unwind your mind. And then we still work out. Like we go for runs, we go rollerblading, we go bike riding. You have to have some type of activity like that to kind of unwind and just all that stress that's built up, you got to get rid of it. You know, it's like, we're so used to her and I unwinding from the kids, going out on dates, you know, whatever we had to do, we can't do that now. So the only way we do it now is unwinding, watching TV. I love 90 Day Fiance. I don't know if you ever watched that. I'm like tuned no. into that show. It is. You have to watch 90 Day Fiance. It's hilarious. Um, you know, shows on Netflix, you know, we're, 
reading books, but I think the biggest thing is just being outside when we can, you know, just taking it in. You know, it's like so weird is the older I get the little things I never thought I would enjoy in life. I do like going like this morning, I went for a nice long walk with my dog and I'm just taking in the beauty of everything. The birds chirping, the sun. I mean, just, it's like these stupid little things. I would have thought they were stupid. They are beautiful to me. They really are. And it sounds weird, but if you told me this like years ago, I'd be like, that's stupid. A walk. That's lame. I don't got time for that. But I love that stuff. I love buying flowers at home Depot putting them outside and look and watering them and just enjoying them. It's so weird. I think I'm turning into a lame person. I really do. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> that's what I do. That's what we do. And how has Corona and these Corona times uh, changed the way that you guys, you know, view the world and, and has it changed the way that you view the world? What do you know now that maybe you, you didn't really think of before? Has it taught you anything? It's just um, that, you know, what it's just really taught me is that this world will still go on and, and everything will be fine, you know, kind of without us, you know, it's like the birds will still chirp, it'll, the sun will still rise and it doesn't need us. You know, the world is beautiful. It's almost like it's cleansing itself of us right now. You know, it's, I think what this has shown us more is, you know, on an everyday grind, you'd wake up, you'd go to work and you'd leave and you come back and do this. But now it's, when it's forced you to shelter in and kind of spend time with each other, it's just like, holy smokes, you know, it's, it's, it's a different world. You know, the way I view things now, it's like, it's kind of like an unknown. You don't know what's going to, what is the new, is this the new normal? You know, people, this all started with supposedly someone eating a bat in China and then getting everyone else sick, who knows? But it's just like, you think about this. So say three months from now, everyone's like, okay, the, the coronavirus is gone. It is left. You guys are free to go outside will everyone really go back outside? I mean, will it be different? Will you be able to go to a baseball game or a football game the same without, you know, it's just like, how are you going to look at things? You know, I miss going to restaurants. (laughs) Yeah. I know that's the first thing you think of. The day, the day I can. (laughs) I'm going, right? That's what I tell myself too. But then I start to think like this stuff is, it's serious, you know? And, you know, when will it be before something hits again? It's just, I don't know. It's like a lot of unknown. So that's kind of the tricky part. What I like, though, is that there's so much unknown. And I guess the unknown is the only thing that we actually do know for sure Mm -hmm. is that there will always be unknowns and there will Mm -hmm. always be uncertainty and change. That's true. So you actually stated it really well. Sun will still rise. Birds will still chirp. Life will still go on. I think everything will still be fine. You know, know, as long as I wake up in the morning, I have air in my lungs and my heart still beats, everything will be fine. Just... This will pass. You know, they say this shall too, this, this will pass. This will be gone. It'll take a couple months. You know, if you don't, you know, and everyone says, you know, I don't have time to do anything. We all have the time to do something right now. And I'm always telling my employees, if you are not focusing on yourself right now, if you're not focusing on a side hustle or, or bettering yourself, then you don't lack time. You lack discipline because you have more than enough time right now. Figure something mm-hmm. out. Everything you wanted to do, do it now. And the same thing for me, you know, I was, everyone's like, well, you need to do my own YouTube channel and, and do workouts on there. And I, oh, and you I would have, do so well. Oh. And I have to do that. You know, it's, I have to, I have the time to do it now, you know? So it's like, I, you know, I put a plan in place and it's coming, it's coming soon people you'll see. So, um, it's, uh, you, it's, we do not lack time right now. We lack discipline. We have no excuses to get things done. Now, if you, whatever you want to do to focus on yourself, this is the time to do it. Any relationships, that are not solid and sound if they were before, work on them now because life is so beautiful and it's so short. 
we cannot hold grudges on these little things, you know? I mean, I always tell these employees, you do not, you do not lack time right now. We lack discipline if you do not focus on yourself right now. And for those, because there's a lot of people who are going to be losing their jobs, uh, yeah. losing income, worrying about how they're going to survive, worrying yeah. about what the next meal is going to be, worrying mm -hmm. about where they're going to shelter if they don't have a, a secure place. What can you offer those people? Do you have any words of, I don't even want to say advice because nobody wants advice during that time. you right. No, they don't. But what encouragement, um, is there anything you can offer? That's, I mean, that's, that's really tough because you, you got to put yourself in a place, you know, I've, you know, I can only put myself in a place when I wasn't working, when I got here, you know, it, things seemed, you know, even though my wife was working and I had my own house, I can't, I can't really imagine what those people are going through. You know, I, if it was me in that, in that position, I mean, I would never look at it as a negative or a bad thing. I really wouldn't. I would just look at it, you know, because there's so many things in life that we want. And you, if you don't get it, you're like, well, why don't I get it? Don't I deserve that? You know, but it wasn't meant for you at that time. You weren't ready to receive that. So at this time, say if you're losing your house or you're losing your job, that everything happens for a reason. I really, truly believe that, you know, so we, yeah, it's very hard. I mean, whatever I say is probably not going to make it better. But in my case, if I was in that position, I would stay positive, knowing that whatever season this is is going to pass, and that everything is going to work itself out. It will, because it is not the end. It'll it'll work itself out somehow, some way. And what drives you? How do you you know wake up now and continue to push yourself forward? What do you tell yourself? You know what what is that source of drive for you? I think it's like I set myself to a standard, you know, is you know, I always, I always heard, you know, I was always taught, you know, one of the things Lynn Hankins taught me was, you know, as leaders, we are always on stage. And so th same thing with Jackie Epstein. She said, you know, as a leader, you are always on stage, you know, with your employees, but that doesn't just go in the workplace. It goes in life. So for me, I feel like I'm always on stage. I have to have a certain standard I hold myself to, uh, you know, I've got to be that, you know, I got to be there for my friends. I got to be there for my family got to be there for my neighbors, you know, out in the public, whatever. I hold myself to a certain standard. I have to be that. So um, I just see myself always on stage and, and how I conduct myself. It has, I have to feel good about it. What are you most proud of right now? I mean, where I am right now today, you know, I just, I have two boys, you know, with their mind on straight, you know, uh, you know, I've always wanted to have married, be married, have a dog and have two kids. And that's where I'm at right now. I got a great job. I got everything that I need. I, I don't need anything. I have great friends. I have great family at home. I, I have everything. I have everything that I need. So I'm proud of in the environment that I am right now. And mm -hmm. I feel like I had some kind of influence for that. You know, if I really didn't go after my wife the way that I did and, you know, um, who knows if I'd be married today or where I'd be, where I'd be right now. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just most proud of myself getting out of where I was to where I am today. I'm telling you, if you knew who I was back then, Andrew, you'd, you're like, man, that guy is a screw up. He was never going to amount to anything. So to where I am now is a big deal for me. And I think that that gives a lot of hope to people who might also be in the same position right now that you found yourself in your years back. There is hope for you. Yes. You know, you can make the right choice. All it takes is one shift in perspective mm -hmm. and there is another life waiting for you. And even if setbacks happen, you don't find a job. If you get laid off as you know, you've been through all of that and you understand um, what it's like to have to leave your family, move to another area, yeah. raise teenagers, uh, and then deal with 
jobs that you don't like, like UPS, right? right? Like you know that life and that struggle, but I think that there's beauty on the other side. And if you can find the perspective to see it, that's a, that's a beautiful place to be. Yeah. I mean, once I started to learn and tell myself that this world does not care if I'm having a good day or a bad day, or, Mm -hmm. you know, that's when I started to understand, you know, this is all about me and how I make myself feel and how in my thought process on everything. So that, mm-hmm. whoever's going through that, you just got to understand that um, everything will pass and everything is going to work out the way it is, but you got to believe it. So, and what's next for you? What's on your radar? What do you have planned? I'm going to be a professional dancer. I think is going to be my next goal. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, it's going, uh, you know, Part of this time being at home. Go get that pole, Raul. I'm going to get I got <laughs> two of them. <laughs> yeah, I got the pole right here. Hold on. Um, uh, I think for me, this whole time is really me. I have, um, I want to start doing my own YouTube channel. That's what I have to do. And I think part of me is I don't know how to start that stuff and do that stuff. But I have people around me, you know, at work that have their own channels. And they're like, God, Raul, you used to be so good at this. Why don't you have this yet? So they're helping me. So it's, it's coming soon. I, I love fitness and to help people and any motivation I can give them. If I infected one person with, uh, with my mind process and help them have a great day, then I've done my job. I've done what I'm supposed to do. That's all I care. Yeah. And then what quote or life philosophy defines your point of view now? Um, I look at it as, is success is never owned. It is rented and the rent is due every day. Boom. That's what it is. That's what I use. Success is never owned. It is rented. And I'm always saying my live life and love life because it's, I, I just, I always put myself and everyone, some people, you know, they agree with it and they don't. But some people are like, shut up, bro. Life's not all about sunshine and clouds. And it's true. It's not, but it's just how you take every situation. You know, I could, I, if, you, if I'm having a bad day, you really never know, honestly, you know, so, but um, you got to be successful. You got to work hard for things, but you got to, you got to put your hands and get your hands dirty. And what do you think the world needs more of right now? We need more love, Andrea. That's what it is. This world is lacking love. I mean, just, I mean, just love each other, love your neighbor. And there's different types of love. You know, it's like if, when I tell my wife, I love her. If I tell my kids, I love them. When I tell my dog, I love them. When I tell you guys, I love you. It's, we just need that compassion, that love. And that's what we need because this world is so jacked up and the people's mindsets I just believe they just, they weren't loved enough. I don't, you know, I don't know. I just, <laughs> if you take the time to listen to their story, everyone has a story. Some people just want to be heard and they want to be listened, you know? Yeah. And if you would genuinely listen to them and hear them out, that's all they want. You know. So this is so love. true. Yeah. This is what you need. The world needs more love. Well, thank you, Raul. I appreciate you being a guest on the show. I appreciate and, uh, you having me on. I really do. Uh, we are really so proud of you for doing this. I mean, this is an awesome thing. This was an idea you told us about, but to see where this is now, bravo, girl. It's, it's going to be fun to watch this and uh, watch you become successful. So, well, thank that. you. I appreciate you for giving us some time, and I no hope problem. that uh, you guys have a beautiful week. And love you guys, miss you guys, and Same thank here. you. No problem. Thank you for listening to Tuesdays with Andrea. There are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, and I appreciate you making the time to listen to mine. If you like this show and want to know more, check out TuesdaysWithAndrea.com or please leave a review on iTunes or drop a line in the YouTube comment section. Until next time, please stay kind in your mind, nice on the web, and stay hella hopeful in your heart.